All right, everybody, welcome to episode 36. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today I had an opportunity to catch up with musician Brian Lissick. Now, Brian, we have a mutual connection with his publicist, Mike Farley. And back in the day, I did an interview with Kate Vogel. You remember her. She started out as an indie artist and ended up doing some acting. And I think she put out a quite a few other albums. But he said, you know what, Mark, I've got this great guy, Brian, you want to check out his music. And I did. It was, it sounds very reminiscent. It's classic rock, but has kind of like a folksy edge to it. Uh-huh. And caught up with him and talked about his influence. It was interesting because <laughs> during the podcast, I asked him, you know, you know, what are some of your influences? And he's like, well, you know, I'm kind of chasing for tones. And we started going talking about Van Halen. And then next thing you know, we conclude the interview and he says, well, actually, my influence, I really like the replacements. And I was like, aha. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the replacements make sense in terms of that. You mentioned that sort of classic rock, but then a folk kind of feel. I wouldn't necessarily describe them as folk. They were alternative in the 80s, into the 90s. I mean, the 80s, they, they sort of, in, in a lot of ways, it was sort of a marker of alternative identity in the late 80s if you said the replacements they did have uh, one hit in uh, 89 i'll be you i remember that getting um some rotation on mtv maybe even on vh1 but certainly mtv i remember that one um pretty sure it hit the hot 100 didn't go top 40 but um it was the the their sort of one sort of you know c- crossover hit but they were big and alternative and i remember they, they reminded me of the stones the rolling stones not exactly the same music wise but sort of a feel that was there a sort of energy and a an emotional feel that was there that's what i always sort of associate with the replacements so yeah that kind of makes sense i think i listened to a little bit of of brian's stuff before we we recorded this and i think i can really see that yeah and it's interesting how your influences can exactly what you create on the other end doesn't exactly sound like the influence a lot of people think that well you're going to sound exactly like it for example like van halen was heavily influenced by cream and eric clapton you could hear a little bit of it in there but then you know took it to another level and i think brian did the same thing he's has a recent album out called goodbye stupid world and he has a quite a few albums out and he started working on some new music during the pandemic right now it's all instrumental and he's like no lyrics have come to me yet so i think talked about his writing style and how music and the same thing we've been talking about a lot with a lot of the pandemic artists, how they're creative. And I I think Brian took advantage of it. So without further ado, we'll just, we'll turn it over to Brian, hear from him and his interview, and then we'll come back and wrap it up. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate. I'm honored to have Musician, straight from Akron, Brian Lissick. Hello. (laughs) How are you, Brian? Glad to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you on the podcast and just discovered your music. And I would love others to have the experience I had. And you've got quite a catalog. I mean, you've got, what, three, four albums? Oh, it's it's probably closer to... I think this is number six, technically. If you okay, if you look far enough, if you look hard enough, <laughs> yeah, you can find them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it. I've uh, it's been a lot of years too, so I don't know if I'm really that prolific, but you know, I've got a lot of stuff out there. You know, I was trying to like listen and hear all the influences, and I, at least I know I listened to at least three or four albums, uh-huh. and I could tell that you know, certain albums had a different you know feel, and there was some different musicianship on there, but. Yeah. I saw on the website, I mean, it said 
describing your music is poetic rock. It's a you know, writ smart, bold, and assertive. Yeah. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit more? Uh, elaborate on that. Well, I didn't. That was, a, <laughs> that was a quote from a magazine, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I think that might have been the guy from. Um, Oh, what was that? I don't know. I, I'd have to look and see, but I think that was the guy from mm-hmm. Raider or some one of those old, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I guess I mean I, I liked that quote. I look at each project as is kind of you know taking on a life of its own. It's not um, mm-hmm. you know I, I kind of let the songs go where they where they want to go. You know, so I I think there has over the years developed a you know a sound. You know, I I don't try and tie myself to that you know but at the same time i'm not the beatles you know i mean it's <laughs> you know, i'm not trying i don't go out of my way to be esoteric but you know the mm-hmm. different project brings a different um thing to the table i mean i mean lately i've been doing a lot of uh like composing and the lyrics aren't there yet and I'm thinking, you know, after the year that we've had, maybe that'll be the ultimate artist statement is it'll just make an instrumental album, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you've been up to. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if that answers the question. God, that's a, that's such a great quote. And I, and the great thing about it is I don't really know what it means, but it makes me sound really cool, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it gets people interested in your I music. I mean, I think. Like you said, you've got a catalog out there. You've been doing this a while. Each one kind of has its own unique style. And so it sounds like you, you've you been up during this whole, I guess, lockdown period. You've been yeah. writing a lot of music, but the lyrics aren't there. So well, maybe yeah, we'll get I, an instrumental album. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I try to, you know, I, I try and keep myself guessing. And hopefully that's a good marketing, you know, move, you know, and not to maybe I should just you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that, that doing the same record over and over again is, you know, if it ain't fixed, don't break it kind of a thing. But I just, I, I just like to try to keep myself interested in mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and I, I've always said that, you know, when do you, you know, people have always asked, when do you decide to make a new record? You know, is there like a certain amount of years or months that you'd say, oh, it's time to make a record? No, to some degree, that's it. But really, you know, I'll, more often than not, I'll get a, a new guitar or I'll figure out how to play a kazoo or something and go, you know, I got to record this. This is kind of cool sound. And, and, you know, things either hmm. develop from there or they don't. So it's very organic. You know, I mean, I, I try and keep my I's dotted, my T's crossed in terms of running, you know, the music business part of it. But but the, the songs themselves are kind of like, I, I'm just as excited to hear what they turn out like is hopefully the people who are listening to them <laughs> are to hear how they turn out. You know, I like myself guessing. <laughs> right. Keep yourself guessing. You, so you've been writing, you know, so something can inspire you. So is that your typical songwriting method? Is that you are inspired or are you one of those where you have to lock yourself away and then songs start coming in? Or is it, is it kind of a mix of both of those where you... Yeah, I, I really admire the people who can... Uh, there's, a, there's a great singer-songwriter from New York uh, named Jesse Mallon who I've followed his stuff for a lot of years and done some shows with him and stuff. And, you know, I, um, cause when I'm not doing music, I, I'm a, I'm a writer. <laughs> so, you know, no pressure, you know, but, uh, but I, um, and I was doing, I was interviewing him for a magazine once and, and I said something about, you know, how do you write songs and that? And he goes, well, you know, I just sit down and write them and, you know, and then I go take a lunch and then I go take a walk and this and that. And I'm like, Oh, so you really treat it like a job. And he's like, well, it is my job. And I really respect that kind of ability, you know, because I, I suppose if somebody put me on a songwriter payroll, I would figure out how to do it. But 
but like I said, it's that I like the adventure of, wow, this seems like a, a good idea. And, and I liked how this sounds and much to the chagrin of people who have lived with me over the years, you know, if I, if I get my teeth into something like that, I might lock myself in a room for mm-hmm. two days until I, you know, get it treed as they say in West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, right. But I, but, but as far as like, you know, guys that like put on a pot of coffee and sit down and write songs for eight hours. I don't, I don't really, I've never really tried it. Maybe I could do it, but it's not, that's not super appealing to me. And so it's kind of a tightrope walk. You know, it's like, I hope they keep coming you know, cause I don't really know when they are coming and I'll, you know, get a lyric idea and, um, you know, text myself the lyrics and say, that'll mm-hmm. end up somewhere or I'll get a, you know, a, sit down with the guitar and it's like, Ooh, that sounds kind of cool. And get the little handheld tape recorder and there's that riff. And, you know, and at some point I pull all this stuff together and go, Oh, wow. That those two things kind of work together as a thing. And, you know, then I take them to, you know, somebody that's got better recording equipment and we take that step and, you know, before you know it, it's, you know, Hey, I think we're making a record, aren't we? You know, so that's, that's the songwriting process. You know, I got the quote marks up. <laughs> I saw them, you know, but, um, you know, that's the process if, if as mm-hmm. much as there is one. So, like I said, I really respect people that, uh, that I can do that kind of, obviously I can do that with, with writing prose, you know, that is a large part of my job, <laughs> you know? So if I'm writing an article or something, it's like, you know, I can be very disciplined with scheduling interviews and, you know, when I, write the article and how I write the article and that sort of thing. But with songwriting, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not good at it that way. (laughs) Yeah. One thing interesting. So we had the opportunity to interview Holly Knight Mm -hmm. and she was saying that, you know, she carries this little, you know, book around and Mm -hmm. everything she writes comes from a song title. So she writes down a song title and then from there, everything else comes. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I started looking at some of your song titles and I was like, probably more i mean maybe yeah perhaps she and i are the only two people in the world that do that but i mean that's probably more common than than you'd think but um you've seen my album titles i mean those yes becomes uh you know and those have come from from anywhere and you know somebody will say something and you know obviously they don't all get picked or maybe they will someday if i make enough albums but you know somebody will say something it's like man dude you just named my new album you know and i won't let you in on that's <laughs> surprise but, but you know it was just you know the mess that money could buy that was my bass player you know actually saying that meaning to say it's the best that money could buy and i don't even know what he was talking about and that just cracked me up it's like that that just described our band mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah and, that's um, funny you know a goodbye stupid world was uh you know the latest one we had all kinds of cool ideas for that album title and, you know and as you come up with stuff you know you put a couple old men and a bunch of beer in a room you're gonna get some fun <laughs> song titles and stuff and you know that was one where uh you know my bass player steve norgrove he he plays bass for me co-writes with me he's you know produced the record you know with me and um you know and i you know he listening to the lyrical content and going you know you gotta call this album brian hates everybody you know and, you know, goodbye, stupid world kind of came <laughs> I was going over the tracks and a couple caught my attention. I, I was curious to see what was the story behind B 
be there waiting? Are, do some of these just, are these uh, reflections? Because you really seem to tell stories in your songs, you know, th- at least the majority of the ones that I, I got hooked into. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether that's a natural outgrowth of, um, I, I would consider them more, you know, a series of scenes or vignettes from a, from a movie or a collection of short stories than an actual, you know, Mm-hmm. beginning, middle, end sort of a flow. But uh, Be There Waiting was one where um, actually there there is a, uh, where my dad is uh, is buried. Uh, it, actually, they just took this tree out, <laughs> but there was this, the, his grave site, there was this really crooked tree that like grew out of the ground sideways, you know? And in the, in the cemetery is this Catholic cemetery right off of Interstate 77 in Akron. And so you can, um, you can literally, as you're driving, you know, it was the whole thing. It's like, well, he's got this stupid crooked tree, you know, next to his gravesite, And that would drive him crazy if he knew that was there. Um, but the thing is, when we drive down the highway, we can always see him because there's, there's dad's crooked tree, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I just kind of flip-flop that image. And, you know, there's that old, I don't know, it's an old blues song or cowboy song or something, but, you know, you know, bearing me along the highway kind of sentiment. And um, so it just kind of grew from there. And then it just sort of became this allegorical seeking redemption. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you uh, come out of this world with your shirt tail relatively clean, as it were, you know. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it's very, you know, that one's probably not real literal storytellery it's it's kind of more just you know little um you know uh like i said little allegorical pieces of of stuff but but that image of you know kind of like you know he's he's there but you know there's the highway going by and life's still going on so that's kind of cool you know it's like who wants to be in a graveyard all back in the woods or something where you can't see anything that's kind of cool you know He's right on the highway. He's still with us. He's still connected. You know, that's kind of weird, Halloweeny. <laughs> you know, but but it was a it was a great image, and it's kind of you know whether it's song titles or, or a certain image. I try not to get an you know if I get an idea, I try not to like extrapolate out too much and go well this is how it's going to end because then that sort of pins you in. You know, so I had you know I just know it's like you know. I thought that was a great first line and it's like, let's see where this thing goes. And and like I said, that's the adventure of songwriting. I wish I had more um, of a, um, you know, erudite way to put it there. You know, I wish I could more professorly, <laughs> you know, and just my art, you know, but I mean, that's kind of the way it happens is that I, I, you know, I've always been somebody who, uh, you know, you're sitting around on a bar stool or something and somebody says something and it's like, that is so funny or that is so insightful. How did that come out of a, you know, a, a drunk after work at the factory? That was, that's like such an insightful thought. And, you know, so I'd copy these things down and, you know, does that make me a writer of the people or a street poet? I don't know, you know, but it, but I just always like to listen to, you know, if you listen to people, they say some really interesting, insightful, funny things and and you know my my music is you know just a vehicle to ex, you know to kind of expose some of that stuff that i've heard and seen and some of it's my own ideas but you know please don't pigeonhole me too much into into that <laughs> you know i mean i think there's this natural inclination especially now that to associate 
everything that a person does with what they are or who they are. Right. And, you know, a lot of this is just, I'm just telling stories that I've heard, you know, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're observing. And I think it's always interesting when you can observe something that someone said, write it down. And I was recently reading, uh, I think it was the biography of Ted Templeman. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. he said that he, the song, Everybody Wants Some, uh -huh. I guess David Lee Roth had said that to an audience and Ted wrote it down. And then they were struggling in the studio and yeah. he, he told Dave, he's like, Dave, remember the thing you say? He's like, I don't remember. And <laughs> off there he goes. And he, then that song just came to be. And it is interesting how sometimes you say things and you don't even realize the beauty of it. And yeah. then it just turns into something else. I, I love how we're discussing songwriting. You go to the great prophet, David Lee Roth. That's, like, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. He is actually, I mean, you know, he's very poetic. I mean, he says if, things. If you can tell me what the first line to everybody wants some is without looking at the lyric sheet. You're a better man than I. Cause I can't. Oh, that's hard. Really? That's hard. On the on the moon beam. <laughs> I know. I just, I just hear the pulsating, uh, <laughs> like jungle Thanks. rhythm that's yeah, happening yeah. there or something. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a certain poetry to somebody who's in the background going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> exactly. that's right. That's, so can we talk about Van Halen? What are some of your other influences? Oh, wow. You know, I mean, sort, I, I like melodious music, but I like it really rough. I mean, I was, mm -hmm. I mean, as an example, I, there's no real, I think I'm more enamored of sounds than I am particular groups. I mean, I was, uh, Interesting. it dropped the guitar off. Uh, in my travels today, I had to drop a guitar off and put new pickups in it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was coming through this neighborhood in Akron that I hadn't been in in some time in, uh, since the last guitar. <laughs> and, and it's a real, and you ever seen the cover of the Creedence Clearwater Revival record with the market on it? And they're all willing the poor boys, you know, yes. in the front. And there's a place off of Kelly Avenue in Akron that we used to go there when we were teenagers and they would sell us beer <laughs> and place in town that would do that and there's a whole book there too but but it looks exactly like the front of that place and i always thought it's like this is cool this looks just like recruiting you know the ducky market you know in the front of that and so i'm driving past you know i knew that place was coming up and you know so i get on my you know on youtube and put on the willie and the poor boys album and it's like that this is that's that guitar sound is like the sound of this neighborhood and i just love like i don't know i just i i um i like that I'm a fan of, I don't know, I'm a kid that spent a lot of time in front of the TV as, a, as you know, as a kid, you know, watching police shows and stuff and, and just the whole idea of how the music with the, with the movie that you're watching or the, or the TV show that you're watching. And so I've just been very cinematic, I think, when I, it, I guess it would have been easier to answer this question and just say, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Big Star and Rod Stewart. And, uh, <laughs> and I am, you know, but it's just, I, I kind of... I'm also a big fan of, you know, Marvin Gaye and, and stuff. If I'm, it's almost like I, I enjoy music very viscerally. You know, it's like, I like to have music as sort of my soundtrack to wherever I'm at and whatever I'm doing. So when it comes to actually making music, virtually anything's liable to show up. You know, I, I like to make it consistent and not, you know, if you try and put some polka in a death metal song, it might work, but it might not. And you got to be willing to uh, self-edit, you know. I sort of picture the music video from the moment I'm making the song. It's like, what is this, you know, is this a, does this song sound, you know, sound like a city? Does this song sound like, 
the middle of Wyoming, there's a song, you know, and you talked about Van Halen, you know, and Eddie Van Halen used to talk about the, the brown sound in his guitar. Yeah, the tone chaser. I just knew exactly what he what he meant. Yeah, that guitar sounds brown. This other guitar sounds black. You know, this other guitar sounds sort of aqua. You know, and I, you know, describing, you know, Bob Dylan once said that, you know, talk, you know, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. <laughs> that's the, the, the two. I haven't heard that one. I love that. It's all just feel, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. or it should be, I guess, you know, and the more, you know, there's certain things you got to do to make something sound the way you hear it in your head. Oh, there goes my, uh, we're going to get some German shepherds in this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You could probably write a song to it. I have the door closed, <laughs> but uh, that was Rika, I believe, the uh, female <laughs> in the in the big boy Kavik, if, if he, so yeah, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not trying to be vague in this interview, but it's just your, your answer. Love the question. It's, it's an interesting way to, you know, once again, I'm trying to figure out how I do this stuff. Uh, I was looking back. I, I saw that you, at least the one that I can, I saw was yourself in the unfortunates. Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to that, and it's you had it was a completely different sound, mm-hmm. and it, it felt like. I couldn't put my finger on it. Like I, I know artists don't like when you compare them to other artists, but I started hearing a lot of different sounds in it. I mean, it, it felt very organic yeah, and well, compare away because I think that's kind of interesting what people get. Out what well, I mean, I, I was listening and I heard just on that album, I, I heard like sounds of maybe some Springsteen. I heard a little bit of Jackson Brown because yeah, you know, there was a piano in there yeah, yeah. and it seemed at least a, you know, most of the songs seemed kind of upbeat but still had some very storytelling lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I, in your, I, I don't know. There were there were two uh, Unfortunates records, but the, the okay. interesting thing is that uh, that was like the longest period that I had, you know, the same lineup. And, and mm-hmm. it was the first time that I had like the exact same lineup on two albums in a row, which I thought was kind of cool. It, you know, so it was very much, a, it was Brian Lissick, but it was a band thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I would record with those guys again. I mean, I, they're a phone call away, but I just wanted to take a different direction with this new one. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it was very, um, yeah, Tim Longfellow's piano, he's again, cinematic. And, and I, it's like, wow, I, I made two very different sounding records, but I made in my estimation, a couple of, if not perfect, damn good rock and roll records. And, you know, it's hard to keep a band yeah. together. For two records, <laughs> you know, it's like for two hours, you know. So I, I love that, you know. That's sort of you know those couple of records, and you know, much of the rest of the records have a lot of the same people on them. But that was, you know, those were, you know, Curtis interrupted us, and we're sorry. We're two that preceded this latest record, and uh, you know, where we really kind of treated it like a band, like let's rehearse these songs that we're working on. And we brought you know fifteen or so of them into the studio, and I don't know. 10 or 13 of them or whatever ended up on those respective records. And, um, and especially we're sorry is that we literally got access to what used to be a Gardner pie factory. They made little lunch pies and stuff. So we're in the middle of this big former factory and, uh, and, and there was a Pink Floyd cover band that was using it for practice. So we had like the wall behind us and you know, all these like lights and things. I mean, That's we awesome. Using, we weren't using the light. But, you know, we had like the sound stage and, and, you know, figured out that we could isolate the sound enough to actually keep it from being a total mess. So that record really, I mean, there was probably a 
guitar overdubbed here and there and, and there was you know vocals overdubbed but you know 90 percent of at least 10 of those songs was just us going one two three four and playing a set and then playing it again and whichever take was better i mean it's all it's practically a live album you know and so it's like I, I could tell it was, it sounded like you're just having a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of that one because it's a testament to how good the band was because, you know, there's very little. And the only reason that I over, I didn't even want to overdub vocals. I wanted to make it like totally live, but th there was just too much bleed, you know, that I had to mm -hmm. go in there and redo vocals, you know, and it was actually hard to do the vocals and not have the band playing me because it was such a live sounding album. So, you know, I've always wanted to go in a room and, and bash out a record as quick as possible with a, with a well-rehearsed band. And that's as close as I've gotten to that. So, <laughs> you know, and then other records are a totally different approach, you know, Okay. Right. And that's always the question that comes up is, so tunes made is all about introducing people to music that maybe they forgot about. Mm -hmm. maybe they should explore. And if you had to, if there was a new listener out there and you mm -hmm. said, hey, what's Brian Lissick all about? What album would you tell them hmm. to start with? You know, you always think it's your latest one because you feel like that's the direction you're, you're going in. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would probably say this latest one, but they might get an idea that it's, you know, the latest one is an intentionally quieter record. You know, mm. so I would almost, I mean, you know, again, here I come with the, uh, you know, <laughs> would you like A or B? How about C? Um, kind of an answer. But, you know, if they listen to We're Sorry and then listen to this new one, Goodbye Stupid World, they'd get a real good idea of the scope of things because, uh, you know, everything else. I mean, I think I, you know, I'm glad to say that, that those are my two latest records and they're my two, if not favorites, you know, they accomplished what I set out to do maybe more than, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, but then, you know, I look at, um, you know, the mess that money could buy, which was a really good record, but I just kind of have a, a not so great. It was a recording. It was a fun experience, but then finishing it up, like the mix and the mastering and stuff was just for whatever reason, I just couldn't get it to sound like I wanted it to. And I finally did, but that mm -hmm. was one that just, you know, lingered in post-production so long that I kind of have a, I look at the whole thing as sort of a painful experience, but, but I really like that record too. You know, I think that was one of the better, that one's probably the most me. I think I wrote more songs all by myself and kind of had a more of a hand in the production of mess that money could buy than anything else, you know, in this new one I did too. But, um, so I, I don't know if the answer is, you know, what does Brian Lissick sound like when he sits down and starts to make musical noise, you know, probably something like this latest one, you know, and what, you know, and what does he hear in his head is a big band record <laughs> is, you know, like something like we're sorry. Um, so the easy answer is everybody should go buy every single one of them. Let's do it. <laughs> we will we'll let our listeners know. Experience unless you buy them all. <laughs> that's right. You got to get them all. And, but that's interesting. So I know, you know, 2020 was a wash. You know, a lot of things. I mean, it's, it was a different approach. I really mm -hmm. wanted to go out and tour with this record and I will when mm -hmm. I'm allowed. Yes, is, you know, no better way to put it. You know, I, in hindsight, I wouldn't, you know, I did put a record out and it did get, good response and we are selling it you know so it's not you know i wouldn't have called it a wash but yeah i know what you mean it was definitely a let's figure out a different way to do everything yes yeah it was definitely a lot of adjustment and i guess i was alluding to the fact that so touring uh -huh. 
was it 100 there i know you did some live performances yeah i mean here I, and there if there was a if there was a uh you know if there was a patio that wanted me to come and play i would do it you know but the, the weird thing is is that I don't know if that should have made me feel better or worse, but there were like superstar artists that were playing patios for a couple of bucks because that's all you had, you know, that's all you can do in live streams and things like that, which have become surprisingly enjoyable to me. I just, I was kind of like, this is going to suck. You know I mean? How, how can you have a crowd? I mean, how can you, you know, communicate with a crowd that's not there and, but it's, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to it to forever be the only option, but um, mm-hmm. by a long shot. But it is kind of a neat, you know, I've always enjoyed having audio and video footage for the vaults, if nothing else, you know, to go. Every once in a while, I'll dust off some old interview I did 10 years ago and go, well, it was a pretty interesting insight as to how you thought things would go and look at how they, you know. <laughs> surprise surprise it's the future speaking <laughs> you know there's um, your next single yeah yeah you're right <laughs> with my david lee roth impression that's i love it <laughs> <laughs> i got it so brian i know it's been a pleasure uh, catching up with you yeah, I, hopefully I, how can people find out more about brian lissick brianlissick.com has some stuff on it uh as far mm-hmm. as buying the record i always like to encourage people to uh support people who support me there's a there's a site called cool cat music with k's k-o-o-l-k-a-t music m-u-s-i-k <laughs> dot com that has uh, that has the records for sale and and you know the the typical social medias the instagrams the facebook's and you know slash brian lissick or brian lissick you can there's so many you have to have so many web addresses these days but you know pretty much you know, you'll find me all over social media, YouTube, but you know, brianlissing.com is the home base, I guess. Yeah. And, and hopefully out and about is where I like to see people, you know, I mean, I, 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 as I'm getting, you know, longer in the tooth as it were, um, you know, you kind of reposition your place in the world, you know, it's like, you kind of like, well, you know, so much for, uh, you know, being the starting quarterback at Penn State, you know, so that, that's past, you know, or whatever. <laughs> if that was ever on the on the list, you know, you can take that one off. You know, and I kind of, in, in the, the lockdowns, the pandemic in 2020 or whatever, you know, probably encouraged this a little bit too, is that I've really been doing a lot of woodshedding because there's nothing else to do. I, and I kind of enjoy, you know, grabbing an electric guitar and, and sitting on my amp and going out there and faking like I'm an old blues man or something, you know, so that might be the new, you know, direction of things. I really, I I love, you know, getting out there and doing shows without a whole lot of overhead and hassle and just kind of showing up and plugging in and people having a good time and and maybe hearing something where they go, wow, that, I, you know, I I want to become the musical version of that guy sitting at the end of the bar that somebody goes, well, that was really insightful. (laughs) (laughs) Who'd have thought it would come out of that guy? You know, so so I really miss, I'd probably speak for everybody, but, um, you know, I want to intermingle both the live stream and the the live both Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, in the future. But, you know, hopefully the near future, you know, because that's how I'd like people to find me is be able to come up and say, hey, that was a good Saturday boy. Don't quit the day job. Something. You know, but I just want to communicate with people. <laughs> right. And you said you've been working on new music. Is Yeah. It's always yeah, the, it's, the question. It, what's the timetable? Do you have an idea when you're going to release you know, I'm it? Actually working, I'm actually producing a record or recording it or whatever with my son. He's 
he's in his 20s and uh, has some really good material. His name's Christian. I don't know what his act's going to be called, or we'll probably come up with some clever, funny name or whatever, you know. But uh, he's going to be putting some stuff out. And, you know, and while we're in there recording, there's there's at least a handful, you know, an EP's worth of stuff that, you know, and I'm going to put a, a few singles out this year again. And, you know, Don Dixon mixed... Uh, the last record for us. And so I want to, you know, I'd love to, you know, Hey Don, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, I'd love to work with you know, on some of this stuff. And I really do envision, you know, whether it's just like a Spotify single or, or something like that. I don't know if it'll be a full blown, you know, physical copy record again this year, but definitely some singles and stuff will be coming out and, uh, and hopefully again, tied together with some live performances that people can come to all across the fruited plain because you know i miss it <laughs> like i think you spoke for all of us we're I, definitely yeah. missing that live music vibe well, and you know, a friend you know a friend of mine mark lee shannon i don't know if you know he's a great singer songwriter plays guitar for michael stanley too but he posted something just you know just a facebook post and it was just you know no picture or anything just said you know hey i miss you all and i can't wait to get out and play and like 300 people liked it instantly and all these comments and stuff and i'm like okay that's a that's a positive sign because i hope people you know there was some there's been some question in my mind anyway it's like are we gonna get every time i hear the new normal referred to in reference to sitting in front of a computer screen and watching a concert as opposed to going out and seeing one i get a little nervous you know so i hope people do come out and you know obviously i hope it's safe for them to do so but you know i hope right that becomes at least part of whatever the new normal is going to be. You know, it's like, please leave room for us musicians. Well, there's, there's nothing like a live show. I yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to sweat on people and get sweated on, man. <laughs> it's like it's all fun and games, you know, in your house, and I, and I've, you know, in a concert hall near you. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's funny. Somebody did it. You know, somebody reviewed the record recently and said, uh, you know, this is you know, this is the type of music that, that, that you would love to go see. Uh, you know, in a in a sweaty club in the middle of America somewhere. And the sentence was, but you can't. So <laughs> listen to the record. Imagine so it. Was it. Nice. It was a positive review, but it's like, oh, yeah, right. You know, because he's absolutely right. I mean, it's. I'd like to think it's a little bit more cerebral mm-hmm. than just. I don't. I was going to use ACDC as an example, but if you really listen to ACDC, they're clever as hell. So they're very cerebral too, but uh, you know more than they get credit for. But you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's I, I just like rock and roll. You know, it's like I want it to be loud. I want it to be fun, and you know, and if it makes you think a little bit, that's that's cool too. <laughs> well, it's uh, definitely everyone out there check out Brian's music, and when things, I guess, go to a a new norm. Head out to a concert hall and check out the live set. Check your, check your local listings. I'll be out. That's there. right. <laughs> I promise that. Well, it was a pleasure uh, catching up with you and and getting to know you. And I, I can't wait to hear some of the new new music you're working on. Absolutely. I me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for being on the podcast. All right. Thank you. All right. Welcome back from the interview. Yeah, it was fascinating. Brian really got into a lot about how he writes music he described one of the songs that he wrote that was a tribute to his father which i thought was really interesting how music especially the way brian explained it is it comes from 
life around you and is inspired by your day to day. And I think that's interesting how there's always been said that when music is created, no one really can put a finger on the magic of where it comes from. Mm-hmm. But to me, I relate to Brian. I think the things that I've created in the past generally come from inspiration or, or something that I've seen around me. Mm-hmm. That would make sense in terms of the the question of influence too that we you know that we alluded to in the beginning. The idea that you know you may be you're influenced by the stuff that you listen to, and you listen to it because you relate to it, right? So then, even when you're not even cognizant of those influences. And, you know, so when somebody even asks you, what are your influences? And you have to, you don't necessarily think of it right away, or you might come to it later. It's because it's part of that sort of, you know, what inspires you? What's what's part of your everyday life that that brings forth the music? And whatever you listen to is is a crucial part of that, as well as your life experiences. So yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it was, it's one of those things where you reach out. So I reached out to the publicist, I get a handful of of some music I've never heard before. So then I dive in and then I'm inspired. So I think that's exactly what Tunes Mate is all about. And I'm so glad I was able to catch up with Brian because I think as listeners of the podcast, reaching out on the blog, discovering new music, music that you've never heard of that could be similar, could inspire you as well. And I I thought it was great that now there's some new music to listen to in this pandemic if you've never heard Brian before. And I think that's the core mission. We just keep doing that, Ray. And you just put something up the other day where I was like, I knew the Osmonds, but I didn't realize they had a number one hit. (laughs) And I never heard that song before. And I thought it sounded like the Jackson 5 to me. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like the Jackson Five. In fact, that was their first hit, and it was another their one number one hit. And yeah, when you listen, one bad apple. Yeah, yeah, one bad a- apple. And you listen to it. It very much. It was. I think the, you know, the early seventies after the Jackson Five hit, it was this. We're gonna find other acts that are like that. And in fact, if you watch, there was a, there's a cartoon video of uh, the song with the Osmond brothers all showing up. And I mean, it is so reminiscent. If you've ever seen the Jackson five cartoon that was, that came out, it, you know, and yes. they've got the, they've got Tito and Michael and, you know, the, you know, the whole set of them there and they they come out and they, they've got that these sort of uh, cartoon images of themselves created. They did the same thing with this cartoon video for the Osmond brothers. And it was, it, your, your connection to Jackson's is it, the Jackson five is right on the money. It was clearly an attempt to build off of, okay, this is a sound that's popular and we want another act that can do it. And here we, we got the, we got these, these Mormon kids from Utah, you know, to come and do this thing that these, you know, these, these, these white Mormon kids from Utah sounding very much like these, these black Jehovah's witness boys from Gary, Indiana, you know, and it was this confluence of sound at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And the thing is, I know I've heard that song before and I probably just thought it was the Jackson five. And <laughs> that's, that's just what I love about the site. I'm constantly being educated and being lean to songs I never thought of before. And all the work that you do, tying it back to billboard, it's just it's just fun. Yeah. If you are a music junkie, <laughs> Tunesmate is for you. So spread the word. Let your friends know. Tunesmate, we're on all the channels. Spotify, Apple, wherever podcasts are, make sure you subscribe. And of course, subscribe to the blog. Well, once again, we've got another episode in the books. Thank you for joining us here at Tunesmate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. 
and we will see you next time.